I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. And here we go. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast. We're here every Monday bringing you the absolute best at our thoughts on cinema awesomeness i don't know matt i'm really tired today how are you doing <laughs> i'm good i'm enjoying the cinema awesomeness that's a that's that's that a technical term or what is that yes is it? yes it's a scientific term that has been passed down for generation i believe uh charlie chapman actually coined the phrase back in the back in the early days of film back in the the, the silent era um i have to give a little bit of a caveat for this episode i got off set very late Today was the first week of filming for the series I'm working on, and it's going well, but there's a lot of elements. There's a lot to do in a short amount of time, and I got off late, so I'm a bit tired, mm. so um, we're going to flow with it. We're going to do jazz on this episode, Matt. We're going to just, we're going to flow, man. That's okay. I, too, had a late night, but then I had a, I, I slept in really late, too, so I guess I'm not that tired, but I was, I was up late last night working on my 3D printer. And upgrading it and just being a total nerd. And it was fun. I actually watched a couple of horror movies while I was at it, though. Uh, one was called Nightmare Cinema. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. What's the point of it? It's like Mickey Rourke's... It's like it's like it's trying to be some kind of anthology with like the uh, overlying plot that weaves everything together. But really, all it does is just show you the actor that's about to be in the short you're going to watch before yeah. you watch it. I, mean, I think that, so I, I was actually invited to a premiere of that uh, over at America Cinema Tech in Hollywood. And uh, shout out to our friend, friend of the show, Jason from Bad Idea. He invited me. And um, I guess it's a Shutter original. It's oh, pretty okay. cool. That's what I you watched know, it on, at, yeah. Yeah, as, as it goes with anthology movies, you know, your mileage may vary. And, and, you know, usually when you're bringing in different filmmakers, different writers, they're all doing their individual segment. You'll have your favorites. Some will be great. Some will be less than great. Um, I think the premise, though, was that Mickey Rourke was like – maybe he was sort of like the uh, the gatekeeper from heaven and hell. Or maybe he is the devil, but his hell is in a cinema. Yeah. And so he – he you know, like people talk about when they die, their, their life flashes before their eyes. Oh, yeah. So I think if you take this quite literally, he is the projectionist that flashes your life before your eyes, either right before you die or maybe in, as you're in purgatory perhaps. It's like the, the purgatory cinema. Well, it's a real shame that that cinema had to be purgatory because uh, it was a really nice theater. Like I would love to go watch a big screen. Uh, beautiful yeah. vintage seats. Uh, just, just like man, that was that's a nice theater. Too bad it's you have to die to go there. <laughs> well, maybe you know that's the reward at the end of the life. You know, yeah. for us cinephiles, it's like when you die, you get to go to the projectionist's <laughs> theater and like yeah. see this grade A, you know, uh, antiques theater for you to watch all your favorite movies or your life flashing in front of your eyes. Big movie theater in the sky, boy. I'm gonna go on up there and watch all the movies I've always wanted to watch. So, so after I watched that, I, I went to a, a place where my ho- the horror films come in a little bit of a safer package. I moseyed on over to Netflix to see what they had, and I watched okay. uh, Eli. They're one of their later latest offerings. There, it's a uh, mm-hmm. how was that? It's okay. It was like a, a boy is sick and he goes to this hospital, uh, like a special custom hospital. He's he's one of those like Bubble Boys. You know, remember that movie Bubble Boy? Yeah, with a uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, or was it? Well, what am yeah, I thinking yeah, of with uh, John Travolta was in a bubble boy? That's oh, the that's boy old in a bubble. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. well, there's yeah. He's well, he's the third bubble boy. He's Eli, and he's go, but he goes to fortunately to a hospital that's like hermetically sealed, but it ends up being more like a fortress with maybe some really strange things, supernatural things happening. And All can right. they cure Eli? Do they want to? That's Ooh. is he in danger? Are we in danger? It, it was cool. Mysteries it had, and conspiracy. Yeah, I don't want to give away spoilers. It was one of those ones that relies real heavily on the surprise at the end, so I won't do anything there. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It was good. Eli was good. Very cool. Hey, is there just this is an aside? Is I Love Video still in Austin? Yeah, yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah, cool. over there on uh, airport. Yeah, right. So I kind of lament the, the 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 independently owned video store. You know, with sort of a curator, the purveyor of yeah. great cinema, who kind of helps you find that underground film. 
it's cool. It was cool going there. I always had too many fine. After a while, yeah, my fine level got a little too high to go rent videos there. Uh, you know, once you start owing them like above fifty dollars, you're just kind of going, well, that that was a good run. I can't go back to that store. But uh, no, right. my my thing about I love videos. They always put, would put those little notes. Remember that on the VHS boxes, there'd be like little notes, like. You, you know, you pick up a movie, hey, this looks pretty good, and there'd be this note that, you know, this movie sucks, and you suck as a person if you like it. And you're just like, what, the, man? Don't, don't, don't do that. I don't remember that. that. <laughs> yeah. They, well, I love that, actually, now. <laughs> it would. Like, uh, I remember, uh, yeah, it was, there was one Bi- like a Bill Murray movie. movie, and it was like, this is the only movie of Bill Murray's career that he hates, so do him a favor and don't watch it. And it's like, I wanted to watch it, though. <laughs> you know? But listen. I I'm I'm actually into this, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of commentary to go along with it. It's like a video fortune cookie. Well, to me, it's like a video store clerk is nagging me, and I want him to shut up. Yeah, that does happen as well. So, Matt, I I I also have to, aside from the caveat that I'm really tired this morning, I also have to give um, I, I maybe owe our community a little bit of an apology. You know, last week we were talking about Doctor Sleep and. After a couple of white claws, I took it down a weird path of ageism and generational warfare. And I might have been I might have been a little negative in my view that the world is doomed and is quickly approaching hellscape status. You know, I, I, I don't mean to sound negative that there's there's obviously some there's some potential and and brightness in the future. But I do think it is. Uh, you know, worth noting that a lot of movies share my sort of pessimistic view on life. You know what, Dave? There's no need to apologize. Because, man, guess what? I've been thinking, man, and I've been watching, looking out there at the world. I've been reading the posts on Facebook and looking at the, the news. And, Ooh. man, guess what? You were right, man. I've seen it all now. Did you know Kanye West just made a gospel album? I mean, yeah, what I the hell that. is that, man? Uh, I got people out there telling me Hillary Clinton's like some kind of ninja killer, and she killed that guy Jeffrey Epstein while he was in prison somehow. They don't have any yeah. evidence of that. They just know it. And that's hey, what he we're, didn't, we're moving into Epstein a world. Did not kill- Epstein did not kill himself. Maybe he didn't, but they, they don't know who did kill him, and it certainly wasn't Ninja Hillary Clinton. But that's what I'm saying, man. We're coming into a world now where like everybody's just trying to believe whatever they want and trying to get their soul into heaven. I mean, it's about to be 2020, man. That was supposed to be like lasers and like little watches that have videos on them where you can talk to your friend with a video on your watch and guess what we have all that but people are still believing in crazy superstitious ritual that this is going to save them there's people out there right now that are looking at all that climate change stuff you you were talking about man and they're and they're saying it's because of uh gay people getting married not because of like carbon molecules you know and well, so it's because it's because they turned so, the frogs gay yeah man yeah gay frogs all that stuff is happening right now yeah probably not that but but yes man i'm with you now you <laughs> i don't i don't care you made a you made a follower man you you got yourself a disciple and you're right the world's about to end so this week i did nothing but watch stuff that confirmed that i i, I dive deep into post-apocalyptic and um, dystopian future films and TV, and and I think that we need to share that with our, our viewers. We need our listeners. That's what I tell our listeners about how uh, they need to they need to know how to prepare. You know about you hear the like preppers, like guys yeah. that they, yeah. they buy all the guns and they get the cellar and uh, and the the house with the fortified windows well you don't have to do all that all you got to do is maybe watch some of the right uh stuff to prepare you for what's coming man because right it's right. So you are i mean i'm convinced man you were you were just 100 percent dead on i mean it's, it's time the truth comes out sorry i'm how long does this rant need to last that's good okay <laughs> well so grab your tin foil grab your shovels get down to the basement grab a few of these because this is dave and matt telling you that the future is doomed What is what are we calling it? Top ten post-apocalyptic and dystopian future movies and TV shows. <laughs> sure, <does> <laughs> we, we forgot to name this the, episode, but we well, we did our homework. We promise. When the when the world when the world collapses in amongst itself and we're all fighting each other in the streets, there's bedlam everywhere. You can you can rest assured that these films will prepare you for the future that is inevitable. Kanye West gospel album. I was thinking Thanos, but yeah, same thing. <laughs>
So what's so on your top? T- so so we decided we were gonna split up this sort of top ten list of movies that will prepare you for the the inevitable doomed future by splitting them into five. So I have five, you have five As movie series. So what is the first on your list, Matt? The fir- I'm going to start with the one that just started it all for me, man, going back to my childhood, and that is the Mad Max series. That was yes. that was my shit when I was a kid. I mean, I know Mel Gibson got super gross later on, and I'm glad he's not in those movies anymore, but um, that was like... That was cool stuff, because like start, starting from the first movie, where he's just kind of like a, a... What, like a private cop uh he's part of a police force yeah, yeah. but, but, it's, but, like a, but it's, it's like a it's like a private police force like you have to pay for it yeah. and uh yeah. trying to keep civilization in this little town that still still resembles a small town that you might see in australia you know with just right. a, a little less public services and stuff but like as that you know when that world came crumbling down and he was forced to go out into the wasteland and like fi- film after film you just start seeing how weird and it can get and it becomes this like almost like a fantasy world man where it's like there's no like magic or anything like that happening but you know by the most recent movies it was uh, almost like you were seeing fantasy creatures you know crazy people right. walking on stilts out in the desert with like kind of like turtle shells on their backs i mean crazy shit going on and uh, yeah, I think that's a really good one because it it feels like a, kind of an endless possibility, you know. Like I, I I'm sure they're going to be making a new Max film because that last one did so well, and I I just want to yeah. see how much further out they can take this thing. Well, and what's crazy is from the first Mad Max to Mad Max Fury Road, you know, the first movie starts off as a relatively independent film. Oh yeah, you know, it it is post it is in the in the future, the near future, but it's. It's not what what the move what the series goes to by the end, but there was a natural progression where things just get worse and more barbaric and more stylized to the point where by the end it's almost like a, a Salvador Dali painting come to life set to like heavy metal. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's that's that's what I'm saying. It's just uh, uh as as he goes further and further out, you just see how strange this uh, humanity can get, you know, in the, in these kind of situations. Uh, I, I, will, I will say this about the first film because it is so much different from the others, but it has some of the best car stunts I've ever seen because they're oh, not, yeah. I mean, they're not as big a productions. It's not huge explosions. It's not a lot of that stuff, but those stunts look like they hurt. I mean, it's people right. smacking into the ground, getting hit by motorcycles. It's, it looks, it looks real. I mean, there, there's a part well, where you can actually see the motorcycle wheel, like thump the guy, some, the back of some guy's head. He's got a helmet on, but it's like, right. you know, that guy was sore. <laughs> well, listen, you, you have to take into account that this is an Australian film series. Shout out to Australia. And I could tell you with hundred percent confidence that Australians are wildlings. These out of control, zero fear daredevils that are willing to like put it all on the line for the thing that they believe in. That's right. We take a big risk by having Ophelia uh, associated with our show because she could just turn on us at any moment. You never know. Uh, like, 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 a, like, a, like when you when you adopt a feral cat in, you know, <laughs> yeah, at first exactly. it's all like you know, really appreciative that you're feeding it and that you pet it, and then one day, just out of the blue, just claws your face off and wears it as a, a a skin face mask and terrorizes the neighborhood as this cat with a human face on its head. Yeah, you see some article in the paper. You know, man loses eye from pet spider monkey. Yeah, it's yeah. that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. So we appreciate that Ophelia is willing to be kind to us and not and not take out her Aussie Aussie fire out on us. <laughs> um, well, so you know, Mad Max is a series that focuses on how dark and disassembled society can get when the resources are being taken from it. Um, my first film is a movie that already starts off well into this world where crime has risen 400%, so much so that they have to take a major metropolis and put a giant fence around it and basically make it a prison city. And that is John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Mm, yes. In which Snake Pilsen has to go in behind enemy lines, so to speak, into this prison city to try to save the president who has, whose Air Force One has crashed in Manhattan. Man, I thought Harry Dean Stanton was so cool in that movie with that scarf tied around his neck, man. Just like this crazy old grizzled survivor guy. And Pam, was it Pam Greer in that film too? I don't remember if Pam Greer's in, oh, that in the movie. I mean, look. You got, I know Adrian, uh, Adrian Barbeau was in it. I remember that. She was. 
Lots of like classic, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, actresses. I mean, look, you had you had you had the, the the national treasure Donald Pleasance, people would know from playing Doctor Loomis in the in the Halloween series. Oh yeah, you know he was the president. You had Isaac Hayes as the Duke. Oh, that's right. That was you awesome. Know, Tom Atkins is in it. He's great. I mean, just and and least we forget, SD Snake Plissken, Kurt Russell. I mean, he was just. The epitome of a man's man. He was cool. He had an eye patch. Kind of one part wild man, one part pirate. Yeah. It's actually amazing that Kurt Russell is not Australian. Snake was a badass, man. What, what do you, who do you think is a bigger badass, though, when we're talking John Carpenter, Kurt Russell mashups? Snake Ooh. Plissken or uh, Jack Burton, the, the, the mother trucker Ooh. badass from uh, Little, Big Trouble in Little China? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Snake is a little tougher and and only because, you know, Burton has the reflexes, but he's also he had a lot of help in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And uh, and I, I think Snake, uh, we don't want to talk too much about the sequel, but he once surfed a tidal wave through Los Angeles. <laughs> That's true. That's pretty impressive. So I, I think I'm going to go with Snake on this one. I think you're here's right. a bigger question. Who's tougher? Snake Plissken? Or Mad Max. Oh damn! Uh, that's a tough one. I think Mad Max might be a little tougher just because he's like his world's just so much meaner, man. I mean, he's he was born into well, he wasn't born into it, but well, maybe the most recent one. What do you think of that theory that um, uh, Tom Hardy's Mad Max was uh, that the little feral child, the child, yeah, feral the feral child, child yeah. from Mad Max too? I think I think I like it. I think that's a good. I- I think it's cool. I think I think uh, I've watched. I've actually gone down this rabbit hole and I've sort of watched some of these theories. And I think that generally speaking, the one I buy the most is that there's they're campfire stories, and just like any campfire story that's passed on, you know, uh, verbal stories that get passed on about legends, like the the details are going to get blurred and and they're not going to perfectly match up. But it's okay because it's it's a story handed down from people to people of the the legend of Mad Max. Roaming the countryside, liberating people. Oh, so you think when we watch a Max film, we're not actually seeing uh, something that's supposed to be happening in the post-apocalyptic world. We're, we're seeing like a um, a fantasy tale from that world. Correct. Huh. Correct. Yeah. No, it really happened. <laughs> it really happened. And, that feral, kid well, no, grew, and that feral kid was so inspired by the original Max, he grew up to become an even crazier Max. Maybe so. Sure he is that. a bit more feral. The Tom Hardy version. Oh yeah, he Doesn't he's just much. he's grunting and growling the whole time, and I think he even has that snow globe from the uh, from the movie, doesn't he? Oh, does he? I think I don't so. Know. I I think, yeah, I think it. when they're like the wild boys or war, when the war boys are going through his stuff, I think they find uh, like I an think artifact. Wild boys is a Duran Duran song. Isn't oh, wild it? boys is a great Duran Duran song, but no, Barbara. but the war boys when they're going through his stuff, I think they find um, like some artifacts from uh, Mad Max Two in his in his bag. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I buy it. I buy it. All right. What's next on your list? Oh, next on my list, man. I'm be, I'm about to get really dark, sadistic, crazy Ooh, stuff, man. Yes. Like this is like, you better get some rest before you watch this movie. Uh, have you heard of a Disney film, Disney Pixar film called Wally? Uh, yes, I have heard of it. Have you not seen it? Uh, no, I've not. Oh man, it's actually fantastic. So Wally, <laughs> Wally is a post-apocalyptic dystopian future film. It's uh, really? it's it's amazing. The animation's fantastic. It's about a little robot that um, I think his his design is he's supposed to uh, clean up trash. Um, right. And he's left on Earth, which so in the future Earth becomes kind of like just a big landfill. The whole planet does. And right. humanity lives up in space on these uh, like satellite planet thing or like not planets, but like, you know, space station kind of things. And, and we, we've been we've sort of let ourselves go. Uh, we're just kind of like these fat blobby people that float or, like we're, we're just basically born on floating little floating beds with uh, screens mm-hmm. all around us. And okay. we just kind of stay on that our whole life. So all, all humanity is just like fat in a floating bed. Going around these uh, cities in space, just watching stuff on their screen and, and and shouting at each other when they get in each other's way. It's just a uh, so like L.A. traffic. Yeah, but but if if people just were their car, it's like nobody. You just, I mean, you're basically a couch potato your whole life. Like their skeletons don't even support their own weight anymore. They just like lay down so, constantly. So like Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah. There's some definitely some. Uh, 
already some people taking that next step in the evolution right now in, in our time. Uh, but uh, so Wally's a little trash bot and he meets this robot that is um, kind of uh, it's a uh, robot that's supposed to find life. And so it's looking mm. for things like flowers, things like that. And um, the two robots, uh, they're kind of they don't really talk, but they're like artificially intelligent enough to fall in love. So it's oh. <laughs> it's really cute. But um, the whole the environment of Wally is way more fucked up than your average Disney Pixar film. And it's it's good, man. It's a really good movie. And I highly recommend it. Well, you know, what's funny is that we talk about horror movies, be, the best horror movies being the ones that reflect the sort of the anxieties of society. And I think the counterpoint to that, that I don't think that we've talked about enough, is the best cartoons are the ones that prepare young people for the future that is to come of, you know, introduces themes in a way that as adults we understand might be kind of harrowing or might be kind of intense, like this idea of life and death and love and you know, what happens in the future. Like these are like heavy, heavy things that as adults will weigh on our conscious. And yet the best animation introduces these ideas to children in a way that helps prepare them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing like, I think it was like 10 years ago, I was watching something and Fox news was saying they had some guy on there complaining about how, uh, in cartoons and kid shows, um, you know, like the capitalist fat cat millionaire guy is always the villain and, and I'm going in real life. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, y'all get y'all get ready too, because those kids are about to grow up, and they already know about you. So you know that's that's, that's right. right. Yeah. It's a warning. It's a thi- It's like imagine that we are living in a prison planet, and uh, this is like the underground. The way we share messages to prepare the youth for rebellion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the kids uh, that are about to be joining the the voting block. You know, all the kids turning eighteen in the past d- during President Trump's first term. You just got to think that, like, that guy is the villain from every show they watched when they were kids. So uh, right. I, I don't think he's got a good chance of getting a reelection with all the all the kids about to join us in our uh, voting, in our democracy. All we could do is hope. Do, that's right. Do is have hope. hope. But that's not well, what this show's about. This show ain't about hope. There's no hope. No, this is about yeah, this darkness. Is dark and there's nothing more dark than a dark city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This should be of no surprise <laughs> to anyone who listens to the show. I'm not talking about Prince of Darkness. I'm talking about Dark City. It's such a great film. Dark City is a good one. We've we've covered Dark City before, haven't we? That's and we can we will continue. <laughs> That's right. To. Until y'all get the point. I I was so lucky to see this in theater. You know, this was circa '98 or '99, and directed by Alex Proyas, which most people will know as the director of The Crow. You know, this movie. I mean, it's just a great. Let me just run through some of the cast for you, okay? You have John, uh, Rufus Sewell, who you might know from um, A Knight's Tale, been in tons of stuff. William Hurt, Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Connelly, Richard O'Brien, which most of you guys will know from Rocky Horror Picture Show as Oh, Ruff yeah. Ruff. Ian Richardson, which for Game of Thrones fans will know as sort of uh, the lead, um, oh, what are they called? That's uh, Lannister, the, 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 the head Lannister father figure. oh tywin lannister tyron yeah. lannister yes very much there and you know the whole movie acts as essentially a retelling of plato's allegory of the cave mm-hmm. you know we off air we were talking a little bit about the dark knight returns and how that was sort of an a uh, retelling of a tale of two cities i love when movies especially movies like this that are a little bit more of a spectacle can retell classic literature or in this case philosophy in a manner to the public that they they might not they may they may never go and read Plato, but they'll watch this movie, this dark, weird, twisted movie of like cities moving around with people's mind and like, is this all reality or is this fake? This it, this is a movie that you could watch a million times and get new subtext for, and unfortunately, it ran it ran it, it had bad timing in that another movie that was very entertaining but not nearly as deep was sort of exploring some of these same ideas. Uh, and that's yeah. the matrix. I think it came out about the same year as the matrix. And there were some similarities aesthetically leather, dark kind of had a, a, a bit of a cyber punk look to it. And, and the ideas of what's reality and, and what's not. And, um, you know, I think, whereas I think that the matrix explored the idea of what's reality. I think that that dark city tends to, dive more into what's identity you know and, and in that manner i think that's 
far superior, but both fun. But I, I have to give my nod to Dark City. I think if you want to be prepared for where we're eventually going, uh, it's a bit obscure. It's weird and heady. Take take one of uh, California's finest crop edibles before watching this film because you're in for a pretty dark, wild ride. Yeah, it, 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 it's interesting too. There's another film that came out that year. Uh, it was like it was like the same. It was like everybody's just trying to get that same idea out at the same time of like, what if you know reality is not what you think? And that was the Thirteenth Floor. Did you ever see that one? Oh yeah, the movie's great. Yeah, as well. and it was very much a lot along those those themes. And 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 you're it's in the same way. Really cool movie. Really good. It just got overshadowed by the huge monster that was the Matrix. Yeah. Well, you got to think about it. this. Was you know these movies were coming out in 1999, and we were just right in the in the the beginning part of the technological boom, right? Like for most people, they were just starting to get the internet. You know, I don't remember. I don't think the iPod had come out just yet, but we were right on that yeah. cusp. You know, cell phones were starting to become more common. We were moving out of pager mode, and and then and then there was the looming Y2K. Oh yeah. Do you remember Y2K? Of course, of course. The first of many end of the world, <laughs> Nostradamus predicted. And, um, yeah, if you'd ask a boomer, they would say that that was the start of the end of the world. But, you know, there was a lot of anxiety with what that meant. And really what I guess – Matt, you're more of a computer guy than me. You could probably speak to what the impact of what Y2K actually was. But leading up to it, people uh, thought it would be the downfall of society. You know what I saw, I saw that as? Um, because – so many people that were that knew, you know, real tech people that knew this knew this right. were saying, "Don't worry about it. It's not a threat. It's not a big deal. It's not going to be a big deal. All we got to do is update some some software, <laughs> you know." And we did, and they did. It was like, I mean, just it was, oh, it was such small potatoes. But the media was blowing it out of proportion. And I've always, you know, I've always been the guy in my family, uh, like I come from a Southern conservative family, and I've always been the guy that's kind of been better at tech stuff, that's, uh, you know, got a little more of a progressive view, like, uh, I, I was the first to go to college, you know, uh, and there, and I've always heard this thing of, echoed back at me, that like, you're smart, but you don't have common sense. And to mm. me, that was the the big theme of Y2K was this is what happens when we let the smart people run stuff. They don't have common sense like us. And now all the world's about to explode because of the Y2K. And meanwhile, all the smart people are going, no, it's really not a big deal. We've just got to do some, run some software updates and we'll be fine. And they're going, you didn't have common sense. And now we're all doomed because you should have had common sense. You know, street smarts. It's always the book smarts versus street smarts. That's that. Yeah, that's right, what Y two K was supposed to be. It was like the final redemption of not letting street smarts run thing, uh, run things. And um, when it kind of just fizzled away and was, you know, nothing happened. It was like everybody pretended they weren't worried about it after the fact. But I remember all of you buying gasoline and stocking up water on water. And I, I knew some families that spent the night in their church. I mean, I remember you. Jesus. You all had a freak out. Listen. I remember. Listen, is is it just me or did the whole Y2K thing just sort of be like a modern day uh, – the Aztec calendar running out? Was it Aztec calendar? The, or Mayan oh, the calendar? 2012 like, Mayan calendar thing? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't this just feel like an extension – like, you know, like we, we like to think of ourselves as a progressive society. But really we have the same anxieties as people who are like, oh, a calendar ran out. And therefore it must mean the end of the world, not that ancient Mayans were just like, nah, we're good. This, this should be it's good. Sh- this counter's good enough. We're done. We didn't, we didn't have to go on Show forever. me one time in history, in human history, when people didn't think it was the end of the world. Maybe that's what people <laughs> We're all just hoping it will end. So we're like, I might as well go to work again today because it won't last that much longer. Matt, I think a lot of people who listen to this show can absolutely identify with well, that. Well, I'm subject. sorry to hear that. No, I'm not. No, I agree with that because this is the doomsday <laughs> show. That's right. We're not. No optimism right, today. No progressiveness. Episode. We're doomed doomed is it my turn or is it your doomed. turn <laughs> doomed. You, you just did one right yes it's your yeah. turn <laughs> oh um and we kind of talked about the matrix a little bit that was fun uh because I, I i wanted to ask you something um yeah who, sure. like are the are the humans the bad guys in the matrix 
Which one are you watching? You watching all of them? Yeah, I guess in general, like even even the Animatrix, even including I, that, like in that world. Yeah, I think I think that in if you watch the entirety of the series, um, no, the humans aren't the bad guys, but neither are the robots. It's kind of like the robots are actually end up being good, and the humans just don't know. That they're that they don't understand. They're not as advanced enough to understand the master plan. That that actually what the robots are doing are keeping them safe. Yeah. And the real the real bad guys end up being end up being viruses. Oh, okay. Vi- oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because I always kind of looked at it as like humans accidentally invented artificial intelligence, and then but hey, it's a good thing because guess what? The robots just want to be our friends. They want to help, and then humans are like, screw that. I'm not going to be friends with a robot. Let's destroy them all. And then a war breaks out because the robots are like, I want to keep existing just like you. And then eventually the humans get this idea to block out all the solar power and the robots realizing humans are about to actually end the world, uh, put us to sleep inside of a big matrix uh, of things we like. Basically, they just send us to a big virtual amusement park to get us to stop destroying the earth. Uh, I don't know. It's funny. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, the series takes a a different tone than most than most do because in most instances when you um when you deal with technology it's always like humans created technology and then technology takes over and um the matrix was a little bit different the matrix was like hey man we invented this technology and technology is awesome you know it's just got a little flaws it's got a couple bugs in it but otherwise it's great it's a very neo-lib movie I think it's appropriate that the lead character was called Neo. <laughs> it was like it was like technology is great. It will save us all. Hey, you who are fearing this, don't worry. Just go to sleep. Let technology run things. Everything is fine. But there, there may be something to that because uh, I don't know. I, there were some there were some shorts in the Animatrix that kind of implied that if we would have just let them be, we would have had um, you know really great fuel sources that don't pollute the earth, uh, abundance of food, flying cars, all kinds of cool stuff. But the, we waged Matt, war on them that's instead. That's the most. It's the most neo-lib kind of sentimentality that you could possibly have. It's propaganda for the rising Silicon Valley rulers, <laughs> who who are trying to like use this propaganda film starring National Treasure Keanu Reeves to convince us that everything is fine. That technology is not spying on us, even as we speak, even as we do this podcast. That they are not stealing our faces and our identities. Just go to sleep, people. Go to sleep, public. Sleep now while we rule the world. Look. And live in the dreamland of social media. All I'm saying is, if I ever encounter some kind of artificially intelligent android or something that's saying, Hey, I want to live and I want to love and I don't want to hurt anybody, I'm not going to get in its way. And well, listen, Matt. Listen, Matt. I know it's yeah. your turn, but I can't think of a better segue. So I got to, I got to jump that, ahead. Of that the was line. my segue. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what's your, what is your movie? <laughs> because my my movie has a, a an android just like that. That and her her name oh, is no. Apple, and she's the uh, heroine of a film called Turbo Kid. I thought it was a uh, Gwen Gwyneth Paltrow's kid. Gwyneth Paltrow's kid. What what's that about? What are you talking about? Is oh, did she Apple. name her kid Apple? What a cute yes. family they must have. Uh, well, no, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow's kid. Uh, it's it's a really fun little uh, android girl that um, she's not a little girl. She's like a woman, but she's she's really cool and and, and plucky and playful and and she's uh, kind of like a character from a video game. And uh, this boy okay. that survives the the wastelands of the post apocalypse by kind of riding around on his BMX and knowing a few moves, uh, he he becomes really good friends with her. And then when this uh, evil warlord uh, kidnaps her. Um, He's he's got to go into the the territory of the warlord and try to try to rescue Apple mm. and then the two you know it's and it's not like a damsel in distress kind of thing like Apple's a, Apple's pretty resilient too it's just like you know sometimes your friend gets captured and you got to be a good friend and get on your BMX and get your machete and your bat and go fight a bunch of crazy dudes with post apocalyptic weapons and the whole film Turbo oh. Kid man it's rad it's uh, Michael Ironside plays the the warlord. Uh, the whole film just kind of runs like a like a video game, really. Even even Apple uh, has a little um, 
like indicator on her arm that shows how many hearts she has left whenever she gets damaged, you know, okay. kind of like Link in The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, but um, it's it's really cool. It's just like uh, if you want to see how uh, a, a kid that's good on a BMX and, and, and knows a few fighting moves would do in the post-apocalyptic violent world where, you know, power tools are turned into weapons and everybody's wearing crazy armor with like skull heads and stuff. Uh, it's, it's a really cartoony kind of colorful post-apocalyptic world but it's also a very gory movie with a rad soundtrack and some really great cinematography and uh, it kind of went under the radar it was like i mean it was pretty pretty niche you know it was it wasn't like a yeah sure, it wasn't like a sure. movie for everyone it wasn't going to be a big hit in theaters but turbo kid is really cool and i think they're working on a sequel so keep a lookout for that so I've not seen that one, but it sounds like maybe in the same vein as Alita Battle Angel in some ways. Oh, yeah. I've, I've only seen the anime of Battle Angel, but, man, it was good. I remember that one. Dude, the movie's cool. It's underrated. I mean, this is a bit of an aside, and maybe it's, maybe we could list it as an honorable mention, but I liked Alita Battle Angel. I caught it on a flight to somewhere I was going. I don't remember. Australia, Europe, somewhere. But it's cool, man. It's a cool film, and it was a great return to form for Robert Rodriguez, who had kind of taken a little bit of a break from some of his directing. You know, produced by James Cameron. I mean, the, it was it was a CGI world. You know, it's one of yeah. those. But like, I thought it was so much better than most of the films out there, and it was very similar in the sense of like, just the aesthetics were really cool. It's this mix match uh, uh, country where all these cultures are sort of just sort of melting pot, and and Alita's basically makes her fame and by being not only like a uh, a bounty hunter but also like a a baked track roller derby person huh. so austin yeah i don't i don't think the anime cool. was about that i just remember her fighting a bunch of big crazy robots and uh kicking ass and yeah but 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 they do like it's like bank it's like roller derby yeah huh i gotta check it out it sounds awesome yeah it's rad but uh you know i you gave me a new segue to my actual my next movie you mentioned uh, Michael Ironside, who is not Jack Nicholson. No, no, he's not. Some no. people get confused <laughs> by that. They're totally different people. Um, but he was the villain in my next entry into top 10 movies that will prepare you for the world that is doomed to come. And that is Highlander 2. Oh, The okay. Quickening. Yeah, no, that's a good movie, man. That's uh, People Listen, love that No, film. No, it's yeah. not a good movie. No, no, it's not a good movie. It's a bad <laughs> movie, but the future is bad. And if you're going to have a bad future, you might as well watch a bad movie to prepare yourself for it. Listen, the first Highlander movie is niche, but it's Fantastic. great. Right? You got Clancy Brown as the oh, Kurgan, yeah. you know. Queen. Um, you know, you... You have Queen doing doing the uh, the the soundtrack Brilliant. for it. You have Sean Connery, a Scotsman, playing a Spaniard, yes. and you've got Christopher Lambert, a Danish person, playing a Scotsman. It it, it works though. It works. It makes sense. Uh, it if worked, you live that long, you're gonna get a lot of weird accents, and you know things aren't. Gonna the the Fabulous Freebirds are in the beginning of the first Highlander movie. Do you remember that? The the Fabulous Thunderbirds, the band. No, Freebirds. Fabulous. What's the Freebirds. Fabulous They're a band. They're the wrestlers. wrestlers. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah they Highlander very, 2 or the very Highlander opening 1? Scene, Highlander 1, the very opening oh, okay. scene. Okay. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Connor McCloud is at a wrestling match, and then he, he gets the tingle, and he goes to the parking lot, and the very first immortal he fights is in the parking lot of a, a pro wrestling oh, match. Oh, out in the garage. They Yes, that's right. Yeah, oh, yeah, So yeah. cool. Yep. So listen. So the first movie is fantastic. Um, the the series that followed, I thought with Adrian Paul playing Connor McCloud's cousin Duncan was great as well. Yeah, that was that was a great television series. Uh, but the sequel to the first movie is not good, which is appropriate because the future is bleak and so is this movie. Due to the success of the first Highlander film, which really wrapped up neatly. I mean, there is a prize and he wins. Spoilers, and so the second movie asked how do we how do we reinvent the wheel and what they did is they introduced this really lame idea yeah. that all the immortals from the first movie are actually aliens from a, the planet yeah. Zeist yeah Zeist yeah and that when they're and that that essentially their run on earth is um a sort of imprisonment it's like the phantom zone from from Superman yeah they were like, like rebels or something against Michael Ironside's dictatorship or something stupid yeah yeah you you get cast down to earth and you have to fight for the prize. 
um, and you have no recollection of your time in Zeist, and when you win the prize, you can either opt, opt to die as an old man on Earth or to go back to Zeist. That's essentially the prize that is worth thousands of years of beheading. You know, oddly enough, one of the major uh, settings in the Matrix, one, one of the, the, the plot vehicles was the uh, the blanking out of the sky, the, 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 the covering of the sky. And right. I had already was very familiar with that concept when I watched the Matrix. I had already seen that happen in Highlander 2. That's right. That's right. In fact, if you look at Highlander or Highlander to the Quickening, while the movie fails in in nearly every manner, um, some of its themes were pretty progressive for its time. I think the movie came out in was it ninety four, um, and they were talking about the hole in the old uh, ozone. Oh, yeah. Ninety one. In ninety one, they were talking about the hole in the ozone layer and this idea of of blacking out. You know, basically blacking out the sun in order to protect humanity and the impact that that would have to have this sort of dome over the earth. Like what would happen when you basically live in perpetual darkness and heat? It's like being at a in a gla- – what's a what – they put the plants in, like a glass house. It's called what's a greenhouse. Called? A greenhouse, yeah. Like basically a whole society living in a darkened greenhouse and what, what impact on the psyche that would have. So by the time this movie starts, Connor McCloud has become an old – his wife dies because of the ozone layer hole. And so he spends the remainder of his life – he can now age apparently because he's won oh, the prize. Oh, man. That was, that was some of the, the worst shield. aging makeup I've ever seen. He looks, that looks so bad. He's rough. <laughs> so he's an old man. He's created this shield. He's all grumpy. And then Michael Ironside, I guess because time operates different on Zeist, sends some of his troops down to kill – Connor McCloud because he's I guess won the prize yeah. now and he kills he kills the, the 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 red shirts and he becomes youthful again and then you basically replay the plot of the first movie but with wacky science doesn't uh is that the one where Sean Connery comes back to life in in the play he or comes is that, back is that Highlander one or that's no, one. that's it yeah no no it's it's the second one yeah, so so when Connor McCloud becomes a young man again somehow he can fulfill his promise to Ramirez and summon him back to Earth. And and uh, Sean Connery comes back in the middle of a Shakespearean play at the at the spot of his death. That's right. And then he sells he sells his pearl earring to buy a suit and a flight to New York to to aid and then and then eventually die once again to oh. uh, for he, Connor McCloud. He McLeod. gets caught like a big giant fan that 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 fan looks so easy to escape from. That was so yeah, it was, it was so like, poor. It was like this. <laughs> It was like that scene in uh, in Austin Powers where the guy yeah. just sits there and waits while this <laughs> slow tractor runs yeah. him over. It was like Sean Connery uses some sort of his life force magic to stop this fan that like if they had just walked yeah. to the left, <laughs> they could have all walked out together. Because the fan was way up there and it wasn't moving it was that so fast. Poor. It was just like, just, like just move on Why? to the left, guys. Yeah, it was that's a that's a bad I can't believe you are are you recommending the film? What? Why are you bringing it up? What's going on here? Yes, I, I am. I am recommending watching it because sometimes you have to see a proper train wreck to know what horrors await you. Well, you know, I, I guess yeah, that could be good preparation as we, because uh, if it is the uh, dystopian post-apocalyptic future, we do have to expect that the arts will suffer and the quality of cinema and television will go down. And so Highlander two might, might be the high watermark as we move forward. Uh, because I, I heard they're, they're already remaking the grudge. Remember that horror film, the grudge. I saw an ad the other day. They're re I have heard it was a remake of a Japanese film. And now they're making a remake of that film. And I mean that, what what was that? Like Um, 10 years ago that came out. It's just, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think the grudge came out like the early, it was so unremarkable though. Like who cares? Why remake it? I don't know. I'm just saying, Everything old yeah, is new saying, again. I'm just saying, man, that's the sign of the times. Like, we are about to come into a future of just End times. bullshit movies like Highlander 2. You're going you're gonna to wish Dude, there was good been as there for 2. a while. Yeah. Just do me a favor. Take a look at your local listings at the theater and, and ask yourself how many of those are on par with Highlander 2 in terms of quality. Oh, yeah, good, good, uh, good exercise there. Yeah. Let's... The, the future is here. Hey, okay. And it, and it sucks. Well, speaking of a future that sucks, I have a post-apocalyptic film with uh, probably the, the shittiest possible uh, future, uh, even worse than Mad Max. Um, it's, and that's a film from the early 80s starring, a, I think it's the early 80s, star, starring a young Don Johnson. 
known for his okay. m- most recent work in the uh, HBO Watchmen series. He's do- doing some fantastic work right. on that. Uh, but this is and well, Miami Vice. Yeah, so he's, he's known for a lot of things. Uh, but most recently, uh, Don Johnson's been in uh, Watchmen. But uh, long, long before right. Miami Vice, long before the Watchmen, he was a when he was still a, probably in his late teens, early twenties. Uh, he starred in a post-apocalyptic film called A Boy and His Dog. Have you ever seen this movie? Ooh. No. It, Was it like Air Bud? I, the, no, because the dog talks. It's uh, um, it's more like oh. a... What's a, what's a talking dog movie? Um, like a Milo No, because it's talking to a person. It's not like animals talking oh. to each other. Scooby-Doo. It, yeah, maybe. I don't know, like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. Yeah, it might, yeah, maybe. Maybe, but... Okay. But this... uh, Yeah, so, the, so Don Johnson, he's a young boy in the... Or not young boy, but a... Uh, Young man in the apocalypse. His only friend. Rough his stallion. only friend is a talking dog. Uh, it, the world is mostly desert. I think they're actually in Arizona, and it's like mostly just desert and apocalyptic. You know, everybody's eating, looking for cans of dog food, anything they can get to eat. Men have basically regressed to the level of animalistic, like animal kingdom rules. I mean, we are traveling. We're, men right. are traveling in. And I say men. We are traveling in packs together, uh, looking for you know. Things to steal, people to kill, uh, rape is the norm. I mean, it is it is pack animal, uh, just disgusting animal kingdom behavior, and you know it's so so women are just they're try. They, I mean, the best they can do is try to hide as as packs of wild men just rove looking to kill and rape and 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 just plunder, and it's uh, it's. So like a bunch of Trump supporters. Oh my god! Uh, it's it's a horrible horrible thing. And and the thing is, our protagonist he's doesn't he's not really the opposite of this. He's he also behaves that way. He's just a lone wolf, you know, with his with his dog. Right, he's a boy right. and his dog. But he's he's born into this world, and so you know, women are are to be raped and 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 hunted like everybody else. But but he's a he's a young man that likes to play and have fun, and he's got a sense of humor, and he's kind of. He's he's just a lone survivor with this dog that talks to him, and he one day he meets a woman that what actually is consensually having sex with him. Like she he doesn't have to rape her. Oh. He's never encountered anything like this in his life, and she lets him know that she's from a uh, city underground where people live in peace and it's a it's a really cool little utopia. And she'd like to take him there, and um, he finds out when he goes there that. Uh, Maybe it's not what he thought that she uh, that she might have actually had her own intentions uh, on what could happen on his future, and so she she's kind of tricked him into coming into this like less than safe. It really is an underground utopian society, and they are living in peace and harmony there. But his role in this society isn't what he thought it would be, and so it's it's just about this like really messed up future, man. But it's a it's a unique film, and the thing is too like the talking dog. You it's it's. I think what it is, is is a boy and his dog. It it brings you into a level of mystery where you really don't understand like what or why this world is like there. There's at one point, there's like an Android that looks like a human. He finds out this guy's a robot, Uh, the talking dog. Okay, naturally, when you first start watching it, you're thinking like, okay, Don Johnson's character is crazy and he thinks this dog can talk. But then the dog starts telling him historical facts, you know, things that he wouldn't know. The dog's mm. like telling him about some of the political environments that led to World War II, you know, and you're going, wait a minute. that So what? So does the dog, what is the dog now? And so it's a, I don't know, man. It's, am I recommending a boy and his dog? I'm not sure. Because it is a movie with a whole lot of messed up stuff in it. But it's a very unique film, and um, it certainly doesn't take uh, any kind of stance on on some of the you know rape and cannibalism and and, and horrible things that I'm right. talking about as like it's positive. It's just it just is. It's like it, it's it's one of those films that kind of dares to, to to suggest that humanity could regress to something like that if we were in the right conditions, and and then tells oh, a story. I mean, there. I think I think. Look, I mean, let's just be very honest about it. There is a certain subsect of of society that already operates in this manner, you know, and uh, I don't think it takes much of a push for some people to devolve in this manner. Yeah, you, you just have to imagine the environment in which the worst aspects of uh, animalistic behavior are the most likely to survive. And uh, just and then just tell a story there. And that's that's a boy and his dog. What was going to be a segue from an earlier entry that you mentioned. And I think the movie that people think about the most when they think about um, post-apocalyptic worlds, especially when as it relates to technology taking over, 
and that is the Terminator oh, series. Yeah. This movie's fan. The, the first two movies are yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I, I like to call it the Terminator okay. movies because there's really only two worth watching. There's two worth watching, but they're so excellent that it makes you at least – well, up until this current one, it, at least it, it, it garnered enough goodwill based on two yeah. movies that people just kept on hoping against hope that the, the, the next one in the series would be good. And, and um, I don't know if we'll get one or not, but Ophelia saw the most recent Terminator. She said it was actually very good. She really enjoyed it. I mean, no one else saw it, <laughs> but like, but like, apparently, it was a, a little bit of a return uh-huh. to form. Um, but you know, the themes of this in this movie, I think at this point now, are so we're used to them in, in our sort of post-apocalyptic world. But what happens when technology and the idea of AI becomes sentient? You know, what happens in a world in which our over reliance on um, mechanisms and technology take over? And they, they enslave us in very in in a in a lot of ways. This is completely the opposite of the Matrix. You know, it's like um, the Matrix started with the same themes as Terminator. I'm sure it's highly influenced by it. But then it kind of added the twist that oh, it was the humans that messed up. And in the Terminator series, it is in fact that I AI has decided that we are the worst thing for the world. And the best thing for the world would be to just exterminate us, or to terminate right. us. To terminate, to terminate um, us. The first movie, of course, Arnold is the bad guy, and Linda Hamilton is is the hero that saves us. She's the every woman, you know. Destiny calls upon her, and she rises to the occasion to fight off bad Arnie. And then in the second movie, we get young John Connor and Arnie turned good guy, and. Richard, pa- not Richard Patrick. What's the Patrick that's in this movie? Richard Patrick's oh, a singer. Oh, uh, filter. oh uh, uh, you're talking about the T-1000. Have you seen this boy? T-1000. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can't remember his name. It's Patrick. Something. Anyways. Yeah. The other Patrick. Just, not just Richard Patrick. Just call him Patrick. Patrick's Patrick. in it. <laughs> just call him Patty. Patty. Patty's the bad guy. Um, everything about the first two movies is so iconic from I'll be back to come with me if oh, you want yeah. to live. To hasta la vista, baby. A lot of the things that made Arnold Schwarzenegger a household name came from these movies. And it's funny because I was watching a little mini documentary on it. And he was talking about the iconic line, like, um, uh, yeah. I'll be back. And and Arnold, being Austrian, was like, uh, this feels weird. I don't think I would say it this way. And James Cameron was asking him, well, how would you say it? And, and he said, I would say I will be back. And... Um, James Cameron said, no, you'll say I'll be back. And so what they did is they had him say it like a bunch of times in a row till he basically got fatigued. And then he said, I'll be back. And that's how he got that iconic (laughs) line, you know, which is amazing. And, and Arnold was saying like, you never know, you know, he's the bad guy in the first film. He's like, you'll, you never know what is it that catches fire. Right. And he would have people come up to him on the street and be like, say that line, say that line. And he's like, what line? He's like, the I'll be back line. He's like, I'll be back. And he's like, no, no, say it like you say in the movie. And he'd be like, I'll be back. And they would be so excited, right, that they got Arnold to say this iconic line, which was just this thing, right? Like, it was just one part of a script. It wasn't even meant to be anything grand. But, um, you know, I, I, don't, I just don't think there's a, a another movie series, at least the first two, that, that really – that really showcase what society and humanity could be up against. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I mean, it, 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 it I, I think it's uh, a little more leaning on fantasy. I, I don't think that uh, something like that could go that direction. But, but it, it is a good point, though. AI like, is um, real threat. You know, if if uh, something really could make decisions on that level using just like computer generated algorithms and stuff, it it wouldn't have a um, ethical. Uh, barometer to make um you know decisions to, that don't lead to a lot of suffering i mean that, that, could, that could be could be well maybe yeah. they're logical i mean if you're if you're ai and you're logically looking at the best way to preserve the earth i mean getting rid of humans is a logical conclusion yeah yeah it, so sure yeah uh we are a parasitic uh species pa- parasitic oh, okay uh but yeah i do think yeah. um it is it is very telling that uh the first two movies were were so good that uh studios have just been kind of flogging that dead horse for decades now trying to get something out of it and um and maybe the latest one is I'm going to go 
I'm gonna go see the new one. I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah, check Let's it out. See. Check it out. Let us know. And if and if nothing else, the sequels brought us the great Christian Bell rant. And for that, we must be grateful. It's distracting. He's distracting me. Listen, <laughs> listen, Matt. You're a nice guy. Uh-huh. You're a nice guy. But that don't fucking cut it. You and I are done. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. God, what a class act. <laughs> yeah, this is great. British people yelling. Are All right, so. I just have to say, they're equally pissed off and we've polite. got a couple more to get through, so let's see. So let's okay, so let's next go. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to back to television, get away from cinema, and um, this is kind of a this is more of like a sci-fi space show, but it takes place three million years in the future, and it's called it's a, it's an okay. English sci-fi a British sci-fi uh, comedy called Red Dwarf that is just uh, hilarious okay. and awesome, and um, it's kind of like a Star Trek next generation ripoff in a, in a way. Uh, so, so the uh-huh. premise is uh, there's a mining ship called red dwarf that uh, goes, uh, you know, goes around the, the, the solar system mining materials for uh, uh, the futuristic uh, earth uh, civilization. And there's a, uh, a kind of like a janitor on the ship named Lister. And he has broken the rules and brought his pet cat on board with him. So, uh, he won't reveal where the cat is because then they'll have to put the cat in a quarantine and, or destroy the cat because it could have brought diseases. You, you see, when you're when you're on a, a spaceship right, for yeah. you know months and months at a time with a bunch of other people, you have to be very careful about what you bring on. So he gets in trouble, and his punishment is they put him in their futuristic version of uh, the brig, which is a uh, stasis chamber, which means as long as he's in here, time does not move for him. And so he's going right. to be in there for the rest of the six-month duration. And then when they get back to Earth, he'll be punished according to the laws. But while right. he's in the stasis chamber, a radiation leak kills everyone on the mining ship Red Dwarf. So. What about the cat? Hold on. So, <laughs> so Because we still don't know where the cat was. He wouldn't reveal where the cat was, right? That's why they, that's why they punish him. Right. So while he's in there, radiation leaks out. Everyone dies. And you know the problem with radio- radioactive waste is it takes a really long time to clean up. So the ship's mm-hmm. AI basically puts itself into a low-power state where it can keep this guy alive in the stasis chamber, which doesn't require a lot of power, and then wait for the radioactive decay to finally clear out all the waste, right. which takes three million years. So three million mm. years in the future, he's led out of the stasis chamber onto an empty ship, and the ship's AI, uh, called Holly, explains to him what happened, and it tells him that it has enough uh, computing power to basically generate a second AI, so it makes a hologram of his, his old roommate, who's a real dick. And um, so, now he's, <laughs> so now he's alone, three million years in the future, floating in space with his old roommate, and remember the cat? Turns out she was pregnant. Yes. He hid him. He oh. hid the cat in the hull of the ship where the radioactive waste did not get to. And since oh. um, kind of like an Eve, Adam and Eve sort of situation, her offspring have, uh, ge- you know, led to generations and generations of cats, which eventually evolved into an intelligent cat-like species, which started a war with itself all in the hull of the ship, left everyone but the village idiot who a lot of people thought kind of started the war. So now there's... The janitor, his old roommate who's a dick, and a James Brown sort of acting cat man that are all on this ship together, floating in space three million years in the future. And what's cool about it is it it, it has a, as much diversity as a Star Trek universe would have, but everything right. comes from Earth. So whenever they encounter some kind of monster, some kind of cyborg thing, uh, anything that they, they encounter is all just echoes of whatever civilization was on earth, which is now long, long gone. Earth is, and they're nowhere near earth. Right. But right. And so it's like a, it's a, it's a rich galaxy, but it's a, it's a comedy galaxy, but it's a rich galaxy full of like all kinds of star Trek style stuff, but there's no aliens, but it might as well be. And so mm. it's a lot of fun. So yeah, red dwarf gotcha. definitely recommend that. Well, fun is okay, but oh. not in the future, Matt and the future. There's no fun. There's no fun zone. And so, I don't think this is going to come to any surprise to anyone who's ever listened to any one of our podcasts. But my final entry into this list of the future is doomed is the Blade mm. Runner series. The first Blade Runner is, by all, by all measurable standards, a perfect movie. Perfectly cast, perfectly directed, perfect... Soundtrack? Um, 
philosophical undertones, a soundtrack, uh, just amazing, right? In this post-apocalyptic world that seems to live mostly in dusk and at night, you know, uh, a, a, a neo take on on the noir sort of uh, aesthetic in film. Harrison Ford is fantastic. You know, everything about the first movie is so good, and it really does, you know, as as a lot of these movies have, it has the idea of identity. What does identity mean? And 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 I think the first movie in particular has a lot of themes of um, what are we to our maker? What is humanity, right? Uh, and while it's not the first movie, 2049 is fantastic in its own right. Whereas I think the first movie tends to focus on humanity's relationship to quote-unquote God. I think that the second movie gets more existential and more about man where man's place in destiny lies you know who are we what is our destiny do we have a destiny are we just floating along or do we have meaning brilliant beautiful again Mm -hmm. amazing soundtrack amazing cast you know i think when you are um when you're casting uh ryan gosling in a movie there's always the danger of it just being like pretty boy movie but it's not i mean he does a fantastic job in it they bring harrison ford back you know still still unclear whether deckard is a an android or replicant or not but um i just can't i could watch those movies over and over and over again they're just so amazing and i thought one thing in 2049 that was really cool was the the fight sequence between deckard and joe uh in front of a, a giant hologram of elvis in uh in the ruins that was Las Vegas, it had a bit of a, a David Lynchian sort of feel to it, which I thought was a cool little in, like add on to an otherwise great franchise. I you know I still need to see twenty forty nine. I haven't done that. Yeah, I know. I, oh, <laughs> so good. That's, I will get around to it. Uh, Listen, it's hard. Again, Blade Runner is my favorite movie of all time. It is. It is by all accounts an all-time great. So to do a sequel so many years later, and have it. I mean, again, no one saw it because no one sees great movies. They just go see that amusement park Ooh. shit that Marvel puts out. But, but you know, it's such a worthy successor to the first film, while at the same time introducing new ground. Like I really want there to be a third one because they had they started to introduce this idea of rebellion. And then, you know, no one saw the movie, so I don't know if we'll ever get another one. But it was fantastic. And it, and you could watch the two of them back to back. And, um, God, I just, I just can't say enough good stuff about it. It's just great. Great films. Well, we hope that we have um, set, set you up this, today with enough uh, recommendations to convince you that there is no hope and, and you are all doomed. Because um, that's how we're feeling right now. But, uh, you know, maybe if you're, if you're feeling that way and, and we've got you down in the dumps, tune in next week because we're going to try to we're going to try to redeem this situation. Right, Dave? What, don't you think that's kind of the plan there? Well, we'll make it. We'll, we'll give it the old college yeah, try at very least. We, we, we uh, feel after we after we kind of got the idea for this and we put it all together, we felt a little bad. Like, we can't just lay this on these people, man, and just, just ruin their lives like this. I mean, we got to give them some hope. So so next week, we're going to try to redeem the earth with... Um, Let's say uh, the future's so bright. future's so bright. Yeah. This, so the yes. top 10 or top, I don't know, 10 films to give you some hope uh, for the future. There you go. Coming at you, you next go. week. As always, we have a question from one of our our beloved community. Would you like to try to answer this question for us? Uh, yeah, if you think we have time. Questions from Macarette. Jude Walker asks, Terminator Dark Fate and Doctor Sleep were both technically box office bombs with pretty good critic reviews. My question for Grindhouse Podcast is, is this the end of the franchise model or were they both just too late to the game? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's the end of the franchise model. I think um, that that's a lesson that Hollywood is just never going to learn. Uh, I think uh, if there's any nostalgia, any chance people using, I mean, even it's just characters being used in memes, uh, people wearing t-shirts, they're going to take it as a a sign that they need to make a sequel or a remake or a prequel. And it's just going to keep on going on and on, uh, straight, straight to video releases, even if they have to, (laughs) it's not going to end though. 
you know, you know, viewing patterns and watching patterns, cinema patterns, these are all things that get set. You know, sometimes it just is what it is, but you can train an audience to expect a certain thing. And I think that over time, theaters have trained audiences that um, theaters are for spectacles. And, you know, strong, critically acclaimed movies are for Netflix. And you, the, the blame can be placed in a, a, numer- a number of ways, but I think that that is sort of showcasing in the box office. So I think in the, in the case of Dr. Sleep, which we talked about last episode and which we thought had some really relevant themes in it, I think it's just, you know, The Shining wasn't a big box office hit. It was, it was something that became sort of a cult classic after the fact. And, you know, there's nothing spectacularly about it. So I, I can understand where that would fall through the cracks. And it came out a little bit after Halloween, too, which is a bit tough. Um, in the case of the Terminator Dark Fate, I think that it just had used up its goodwill. You know, we talked about that when we we're talking about Terminator. Like It had such goodwill that there were four movies. How many movies were sequels after the second one? Oh, I th- yeah, I think this is the seventh one of, of total now, isn't it? There was okay, so there was uh, the, the rise of the rise of the Terminators, right? Oh God, I... rise of the Terminators. There was um, Christian Bell yells at everyone. There was Genesis spelled like a new metal band, and then there was Dark Fate. So there's been f- there's, this is the sixth. This is I think the sixth <laughs> movie. I don't know. There's a lot of these exactly. movies, right? There's a ton of them, and most of them weren't good. So unfortunately, at a certain point, like. You just run out of goodwill with people, and and maybe this one will find a second life in streaming services. But unfortunately, for Terminator Dark Fate, the future was doomed from the beginning. You're listening to the Grindhouse podcast on the We're Doomed, Doomed Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast or listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify. 